And I swear they're a podcast. Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another week's episode of Pursuing Call with me, your host, Tamara Plummer. I'm so glad that you took the time to be with me this week. Uh, We continue our conversation with Callie Swanland where we dig dig a bit deeper into the concept of retreat. What does that mean and how she started her business? I am recording this from my mom's living room in Mandeville, Manchester, Jamaica, in the West Indies. Um, took a little bit of vacation, but it wanted to make sure this episode got out. So uh, we record where we are. I don't know if the sound is going to be that great. Your homework will be to take retreat. So at the end, Callie's going to give you the opportunity to think about what retreating feels like. And my hope is that next week, what we'll do is actually be on retreat for about 15 minutes walking through the neighborhood, thinking about um, ways that we can be on retreat that don't cost a whole lot of money, don't cost a whole lot of time, but just taking moments to reflect, uh, be mindful and be present to what God might be up to in your life and in the world. Hopefully this podcast also, also might be an opportunity for retreat. So sit back, relax, and let's continue our conversation with Callie Swanland. If you did not hear part one, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one from last week. Callie Swanland, let's get started. Teach, lead, gather, and it was a fourth one. Create. Create. Teach, lead, gather, and create. That. What is the process for coming you have you have been able to synthesize your feelings and thoughts and call, and I think not all of us are able to do that. One of the things you you said follow dreams, and my big therapy sessions are all about desire. My therapist is all like, "What's your desire, Tamara? Follow your desire." I say it in that way because it's uh it's hard for me. So. <laughs> But I think it's hard because sometimes I'm like, I know this doesn't feel good, but I don't know. I know what I don't want. I don't know what I want because I don't know that I've been, it's not a thing that I I think particularly for women, we are told to smush our desires because that's like not okay to have desires as a girl. Um, Even if I grew up with the most feminist person ever, I think she's still, you know, like we, we all have our subliminal messages of like, nope, not your desires, the communal desires, God's desires, everyone else's desires, but your own. Yeah. How do you tip? How do you figure out what you want to dream? How do you, how did you start learning how to synthesize your feelings and thoughts? And Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So some of it is, is is really leaning into our bodies and our intuition, which I know a ton of us are like, whoa, no, <laughs> I'll stay up here in my head. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there were a couple of things in that period of my life. Um, one was my divorce and one was leading, leaving this um, position that had a good salary and benefits. 
Um, and, uh, I remember my therapist saying, um, that I could try these things on, like I could, um, sit with staying in the job, sit with leaving the job, which I now know, uh, has a parallel spiritual practice of, um, uh, from Ignatius called living as if, um, and when I would try some of these things on, um, that didn't make sense on paper, I would find some joy or some peace in them. And I thought, okay, um, that doesn't make sense. And I don't know how to explain it to someone else, but my, my body has always told me a lot of things about myself. So I need to pay attention to some of that. And, um, that's, that's really where it was rooted in this area of my life where I was caught up in the shoulds, which, um, uh, if you know anything about Brene Brown, uh, which I'm trained in, uh, we, we work against the shoulds cause they're just big liars that tell us to live into those expectations that others have of us and the societal norms and all of those things that are bullshit. Right. So, um, I was like, okay, if those aren't working for me, <laughs> why not, why not try on some of these other ways of living and being? And, um, and so when I'm working with clients, I often talk about your two, your two lists. And one of those lists is, um, is logistics. Logistics are important, right? Like we do need to make money at the end of the day. Um, we do need a place to live. Like they're not unimportant things, but we've got our logistics. Um, and then we've got, we've got our, our heart, our body, our, our soul, whatever, however you most encounter your truest self, whatever you call that, the, the holy living within you. Um, those require at least equal consideration to Mm -hmm. the list of logistics. And, and so that's, Personally, that's where I started was like, just noticing, noticing times when I was like, oh, I'm breathing more easily. This whole dream of the epiphany space came to me when I was at at a coffee shop in Southern California and um, I was bright eyed. I was like, all these ideas were coming to me, like um, everything just felt possible. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is it about this place? So it's, it's getting curious when we do notice something happening in us, like that feeling, like when we have a crush, Mm -hmm. there's like, we're like, Whoa, I didn't know I had a crush on this person, but there's some, um, like heart palpitations happening here. And hmm, let's get curious. Like what's happening here. Um, that's what I'm trying to cultivate in my life. And what I, uh, what I suggest others start cultivating is not trying to make sense out of all of it, but say like, huh, I felt really good. I felt really relaxed. I felt really, um, at peace in that place with that person in that situation. What was it about that? And how can I, how can I bring more of that into my life? It doesn't necessarily mean oh my gosh, that was the best piece of pizza. I have to get that piece of pizza every night. But, ooh, 
that piece of pizza reminded me of an experience I had in my twenties with, um, a really good friend. And, um, I'd like to have, uh, more time off just with friends. Like sometimes it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's oversimplifying it, but, but it just, it does start with paying attention and getting curious. Um, and that sometimes takes time. And so I think for people, I know, I think there's a world out here where we have created, um, little humans who think that, uh, you just be, do this thing and then you become popular and you're influencer and you figured out the whole world. Like there's a, there's a speed at which knowledge acquisition can happen, but deep knowing is not happening. Like, Ooh, deep so, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a, sometimes I, I remember it being a 20 something and having my mom or some adult person say, you'll figure it out when you get older. And I always thought as in this pejorative way, like, no, I know the information, but my body didn't live it. It wasn't like a gut. Oh, I know. <laughs> that right. definitely takes some time for you to process and really get in tune with that. I don't know. I think my very young self intuition was easy. And then I got to college and then people said, okay, now you got to get your shit together. And there wasn't a clear path. I had to make the path. Like the path was made for me. So it was easy to I like took away time for intuition to kick in. And then once the path was over and I had to make the path, I was like, oh, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yes. Yeah. And so like, so one of the things I talk about is, um, I, I went on this divorce discernment retreat. Oh, I love this. Yeah. So I, I was like, I need, I am listening to everyone's voices. I am listening to all of the possible voices and I just need to shut everyone up. I need to go. Mm-hmm. Only way to do that was like to l- literally fly across, across the country and go out into the wilderness and spend time on a solo retreat so that I could listen to myself and to God and no one else about like, you should, you should, you should, you should mm-hmm. on this retreat. And so many things went wrong on there. I was like ready for meaning making and uh, everything was metaphor, right? Like, Ooh, what's this mean? So arrived and my luggage didn't show up first. And then I spent a couple of days with friends and then was supposed to go to this monastery. And the morning I was leaving for the monastery, one of the brothers from the monastery called and said, um, the roads are flooded. They're shutting them down. Um, and you won't be able to make it here for at least a couple of days. And, um, I was like, well, that won't work. I was devastated. I was devastated. Um, and the friend that I was staying with said, we'll find something. We'll, we'll find something else out, which the first clue, the first important thing about, about that was, I was like, we, like, I'm trying to do all of this on my own. Mm. Oh, it's okay to like, sometimes lean on others too. The other piece of it um, was that I ended up um, at another equally beautiful location. I went north instead of south um, and made the best of it, but it was still flooding and raining up there too. And um, so I stayed in this like little hermitage and just stayed inside most of the time reading and sleeping and knitting and whatever, journaling. Um, And it finally cleared up. So I went for a hike and I'm hiking along this trail and I 
looked ahead at the trail and I was like, oh, I think the trail goes up into the left. And then I was like, no, 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 it goes down into the right. And I was like, I can't actually tell from here. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I just have to take the next step. And I was like, it was one of those moments where like the sky opens up and I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. The theology of Frozen comes again. Theology of Frozen 2 is just do the right next best thing. <laughs> yeah, we are stuck in, we are planners as, as humans in general. I mean, some of us are more planners than others, but we want assurance. Mm-hmm. We want to know if we're going to go down this path that it's going to bear fruit for us, that it's going to be good. The only thing I could do was the very next thing. And then I trusted, and it has been true, that the next step would be revealed after and only after I took that step. And so and that is faith. That is, it is. And it's terrifying. I mean, it is terrifying. It's terrifying because there are so many questions and like, okay, well, I could take those next few steps and then the ground could open up underneath me or there could be a big log across the path. Yeah. There probably will be at some point. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee what I'd love to do as I coach people is be like, yeah. And you follow this and everything will be wonderful, right? Like <laughs> I would love to tell people the the right way. I wanted so much for like my spiritual director or my therapist to like hand me the printed guide. I I'm, I love a good instruction manual. Like I would have totally devoured that and been like, okay. I'm going to follow these 10 steps and do the right thing here. There is no instruction manual for most of life. And so we have to, we have to take that step and then the next one. But as you said, like earlier in life, a lot more of our trails are blazed for us. And Mm -hmm. as we get older, we are out there in the wilderness by ourselves, trying to figure out where the trail leads and there's so many different human reactions to that. A lot of us just shut down and we say, actually, I'm just going to go back because I know, I know that that path. Mm -hmm. It's how people end up in toxic relationships, end up staying in jobs longer than they maybe should. Yeah. Don't, don't read me on my own podcast. It's fine. (laughs) This is this is the royal we here. Also, when I speak, I'm also speaking. Yes, we're mostly just preaching to ourselves. It's always <laughs> you'll hear me talk a lot about what I call the Magi journey. I will I'll break that down just a little bit more. I say follow your dreams, share your gifts journey together, because I think I think that distills what these people did. They are stargazers in a far off land who know nothing about. Jesus, they don't really care to go visit a newborn baby. Um, They just know that there is this thing that appears in the sky that draws them onward. And that is the first step in following their dreams. But then at the end of their story, they also have literal dreams that say, hey, if you go back to King Herod um, and tell him that you found this toddler, uh, who threatens his kingdom, he's going to go and kill him. And so they go, they go home. It says by a different way, but there are theories that that means that they never, ever actually returned to the home that they originated from. Mm. 
they were deeply invested in following this dream wherever it might lead. Um, the second thing they did is they shared their gifts. They brought maybe some really impractical gifts, but they brought um, they brought things that were um, important to them. They brought these things and they shared them. And so many of us uh, get caught in those first two steps. We don't listen to our dreams. We try to ignore them. We try to minimize them. Um, and then we're like, okay, I'm just going to be really quiet about my gifts because I don't want to be presumptuous because I don't want to be embarrassed if other people don't like my gifts, etc. And that doesn't help anyone. That doesn't no. help keep ourselves small. And the third thing that they did that is perhaps the most important piece is that they journeyed together. We don't know how many people were among this band of travelers. We hear of the three wise people, but you know, I would say, uh, I would say it was a group of people. And yeah, there's no way you're getting through the desert alone with just three dudes. Well, this was probably a three-year journey, and so they had they had someone else to say, "Hey, come on forward." When they probably were like, what the hell did I do? What did I leave behind? I miss home. I want to go back. What are we going to find here? Mm-hmm. You know, all of the complaints of a road trip times a hundred, because this is a three-year journey without GPS or anything like that. So, so another piece of their journey. So I've, I've been sharing that, those three pieces for a while, but what I've been reflecting on a lot lately is this question of, um, how do you know you've arrived? Um, in the story of the Magi, when they finally arrived, I'm getting a little emotional. When they finally arrived, it says they were overcome with awe. Mm. They were overcome with awe. I think that there are stopping points along our way that we have that feeling of connected witness with something much bigger than ourselves. Call it wonder, call it awe, call it God, call it whatever you want. Um, But in those moments, I think we need to stop and say we've arrived at least, at least at this place that we need to pause for a moment. We've arrived at a vista. That is worth naming and not just pushing past and saying, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah, right now I'm, it's making me, my last therapy session, I talked to her about trying to accept plateau life. Like I really am excited to plateau (laughs) that I've done all this work and I could level up and be better and do better things and get the job and like, there are all these signs around me of like, Tamara, like basically you're not doing all that you could do. And I'm realizing that I'm just tired. And so <laughs> there's a place of I'm tired, but also energized and need to create and like have the energy to create and to level up would take away time from yeah. being able to like, I haven't edited episodes that I've had sitting in queue two of them. One of them is almost done, but because it's like, oh, I got to do work. Oh, I'm 
now I have this new person in my life and I want to hang out with them. And like, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I, I have a boyfriend and I'm going to hold on to it for as long as it lasts because it doesn't happen often. So like, but there's a way in which even when I, I had a moment, I was like, oh, I have a job. I'm well employed. I have a great apartment that I love. I have this new love in my life. I have this new, like, I do, I know I don't want kids. So like no pressure. I know, like there's just these ways in which my life is totally good. Right. I survived a global pandemic. Amen. What do I need to level up about right now? And who you you need to level up to? That's another question. Right. It's not an it's not an internal. I mean, there is some internal desire because I'm a bossy person, so I like to be in charge and that's fine. But that's not but but there's it's not really me being like, oh, you're not you're not important enough yet. Like Tamara you should be more famous or you should be more whatever. Like, why aren't you doing all these other things? Like, I don't have that much of an ego, but also like systematically, there are certain people who like to stand out and tell you how awesome they are. And there's other people who do not. (laughs) So like, yes. And, and there's nothing. So, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to shine unless you're doing it at the expense of other other people. Yes. There, I right? did have a whole my my realization of Holy Week readings was that humility is actually our ability to embrace to share our gifts and to let our light shine. Like so much of the readings that week, I realized is like Jesus was humble. Jesus was humble. It was all about him shining his light, but uh, not for the purpose of blocking other people's glory, but as a way to enhance God's glory. Like, right. Yeah. So there's that. But then also, how do we stand in awe when it happens and take the moment to be like, wow, this is amazing. Right. Right. And that's, that's mindfulness. That's intention. um, That's, that's stuff that pushes, pushes against the um, like constant movement of our culture. It pushes against um, late stage capitalism and what producing success means um, to be able to look around and name what you just named to me and say, I have gratitude for these things in my life. It doesn't mean you might not want more. Yeah. uh, In uh, inflation is real. I need some more, some more money eventually, but, (laughs) but do I, but also, yeah, there's also, if we're always seeking more, are we ever content? Are we ever going to appreciate this moment? Um, And the thing about, so to get into like just psychology for a second, the thing about awe um, and wonder is that um, awe begets awe. Wonder begets wonder. Um, If we are to stand, I could even stand in my backyard here in residential America and find something to be in awe of. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this beautiful picture window here in this room I'm sitting in that has these, I don't know, they seem to be like hundred foot trees. Maybe they're only like 70 feet, but they're really tall trees mm-hmm. just looking at them. And they're just towering this green canopy outside my window from the neighbor's yard. Um, I am in awe of that. And if I sit here 
for even 10 seconds and, and acknowledge that, like, I start to, I start to feel those endorphins mm-hmm. in my body. more likely then to pause and notice other moments of awe. Um, it happens in the reverse too. I mean, uh, fear begets fear, anxiety mm-hmm. begets anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one way we can push against that is to be present in our moments and to let ourselves be overcome with awe. You talked about this dream of retreat now and this 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 epiphany space that is virtual is beyond kind of a, a brick and mortar. One, how why did why does your body say, I need to go on solo retreat? What is your what does retreat look like for you? <laughs> how did you get started doing that stuff? Yes. Um, I am a retreat evangelist. I believe everyone should take retreats and probably shouldn't use the word should because that's based in shame. I believe that there is flourishing to be had in taking time for retreats, but I think it's something that um, uh, looks different for different people and we should honor that as well. So um, for me, like if you're a single mom with two kids recently divorced and you don't have a job and health insurance and stuff, how do you take retreat? Exactly. So in that case, retreat, um, retreat was like on my Sabbath day on Fridays, I would drive down to the local lake and, um, water is one of the places that I feel God most fully. Um, and so driving down to the local lake and even with my kids in tow, um, letting them, you know, uh, swim safely on the shore or play safely in the sand on the shore while I just sat my butt in a chair. <laughs> um, it didn't cost me anything. Maybe it cost me like a $7 entrance fee, but like that didn't cost me anything. Um, but that was a form of, of mini retreat for me. Retreat literally means like time set apart. Um, And so anytime we're intentional about making time to have time set apart, that's important. But I also, um, I also started realizing like I would take road trips and instead of turning on the radio or a podcast, I would sit in the car for like two hours straight and realize that I had no other input, that it was just silence. And I realized that I craved silence. Um, I also, I had a period in my life where I was never, ever, ever alone in my own house. Mm. My former spouse was a PhD student. And so was, um, always home writing, um, or on my days off, I would have, um, uh, I would take my days off with my kids. I, that's how I, um, I, I loved doing that, but, uh, uh, at one point I realized, Hey, um, I haven't been alone in my own house in years and I need, I deeply need alone time. So anything that I could do that incorporated, um, silence time by the water and, or, um, time alone in my own house, um, could be considered retreat for me for others that, I mean, this, this became abundantly clear during the pandemic. There were certainly people that were living alone who would have done anything to be in a crowded house of chatter. Um, But my dreams, my literal like nighttime dreams were about 
were about like going to a hotel or an Airbnb by myself. Um, and that's actually how, how the Airbnb retreat was um, started for me. I, I fancy myself um, a, like a travel agent for people um, looking for the perfect Airbnb. Like, yeah, totally. please. Can you tell me all about it? <laughs> oh my gosh. I've even got locations in New York. I, I like to find something on someone else's land. That's just like, so it's not taking away from housing from someone else or whatever. Mm-hmm. But- mm-hmm just a little private space that has, um, but that works for me because I like being in silence. I like having time alone. I've discovered that some people need to come on a retreat, like the ones I lead where it's pretty heavily structured Mm -hmm. or, um, to go to a monastery where there's, um, at least, um, someone cooking for you and certain, you know, certain optional activities that you can come to throughout the day. Um, Maybe someone on site for spiritual direction or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And, and so some of it's knowing, um, and I do provide that service too, for people like, what, what kind of retreat should I go on? Um, But I think we should go on the one that's accessible to us. Yeah. What I hear you saying is like, you have to actually know what you need that feed. You need to know how to feed yourself a little bit. Yeah. in order to do this retreating. Cause for some people, especially if you don't have a lot of money or a lot of time, um, if it's silence, then you just poop a little longer. <laughs> I realized as a child, now that you're talking about retreat, I'm like, I used to just do my homework in the um, bathroom. I realized also that was an ADD moment though. Like I, it was the least distractible place. And I would just like close the bathroom door, even if nobody else is home and just sit in the bathroom and do homework and stuff. But that was retreat. So like, what's the if you need noise, then like go stand outside in the middle of a festival. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, get if, okay. So, so one of my um, biggest moments of pride was October, 2020. I hosted a BYO cabin retreat. I missed leading retreats and I wanted to do something more embodied than just us all sitting on the zoom screen. And so I invited people to book a local cabin, Airbnb, hotel room, or if money didn't allow that, find a guest room at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all joined from our various retreat locations, um, but we had structured time. And the introverts said it was great because in the downtime, they didn't have to make small talk with <laughs> Usually like extroverts love my retreats because they're like, I have new people. <laughs> um, this was great for introverts. And um, it allowed for every budget range possible. Like they paid my fee. um, But then on top of that, if they um, didn't have, uh, didn't have any other funds, they didn't have to travel anywhere. They didn't have to um, pay for lodging. They just had to find um, a quiet space. So like noise canceling headphones are a retreat. Mm. A retreat. Um, I used to have a sign that I would hang on my office door um, and I would nap in my office every day. I'm also a nap evangelist. So um, 15 minutes a day, um, 15, 30, it would say um, something like, I'm on a 15 minute Sabbath. I'll be back soon. And I would turn out the lights and put this little sign on my door and people would come by and be like, oh, nope, she's she's not available right now. Um, 
can have a Sabbath in our own office. We can have a little retreat that takes 15 minutes. Uh, I would love to send a new, everyone on a four day or longer retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, until that's, um, until my dreams are, are granted, um, start with 15 minutes, start with a half day, take, take a half day off work and, and find if, if water does it for you, if, if the forest does it for you, do something. It doesn't even have to cost anything. Mm-hmm. So what's our homework, Callie? What do you want us to do? Do you want us to go on retreat? Do you want us to? Yeah, I, I really, really, really do. So um, if you're listening, um, I would love for you to do two things. I'd love you, for you to look at your calendar in the next week and find at least a 30 minute block of time that you can set aside for yourself. Uh, no interruptions um, to feed your own soul. Um, and then I'd like you to look out. Um, actually, this is three things, not two things. Okay. So 30 minutes in the next week, um, a half day in the next month. And if possible, in the next six months, um, some sort of longer form of retreat. Um, and I will even offer up, um, if you want to do a free 30 minute consult with me to figure out what that looks like or do a longer session to figure out, um, deeper details, um, uh, Tamara can make that available to you as well. But, um, I just want to, I want to encourage people, um, to have retreat. I think a lot of my, a lot of my concern about um, helping people find their spark or follow their dreams is that there's a lot of privilege caught up in those phrases. And, um, you shouldn't have to have the right budget or know the right people to be able to access your own flourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, as a white person, I'm both cognizant of that and try to create opportunities for others to flourish. So if you're listening and you're someone who's easily able to tap into retreat or flourishing, I encourage you also to um, gift gift it. Maybe we pass it on, gift it to somebody else. Absolutely. Um, make an opportunity for someone else to flourish as well, because as we know, we all flourish um, when, when others can flourish as well. Um, this isn't, this isn't scarcity. It's not like, oh, three of us can flourish. The other seven. Good luck to you all. <laughs> yep. First three to sign up. No, this is all of you. So your homework, again, is in, in manageable increments here. I want you to look at the next week for 30 minutes, the next month for a half day. And if, if it's possible um, in the next six months, how might you take um, like an overnight two days, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Does that seem reasonable? That seems very reasonable to me. I offer babysitting services for up to two hours. Cause after that, I can't take care of your kids anymore. Cause I might hurt them. They might hurt me and we won't like each other, but I am very good for like two, two and a half, three hours. I'm very good. I love that. I love that. And, and this comes back to the journeying together part too. Like We've got to, we've got to stick together. We've got to ask for what we need from others. 
um, that enables others to be like, oh, I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to ask someone to um, sit with my kids for a couple of hours while I go do this thing on my own. Yes, you are allowed to do that. And Get all them. they can say is no. That's the worst. I'm allowed to say no, but I I used to be the kid who would sit there at someone's house and stare at their candy dish and just like by the laser thoughts of my eyes, hope that they would mm. candy. Um, and it took me many, many years to realize that I could say, Hey, I'm really mm-hmm. that candy. May I have a piece of candy? And they could, oh. say, they could say yes, but my laser, my laser eye thinking was not going to get me a piece of candy. Welcome to why I have never really been in a long-term relationship. <laughs> a great note to end on. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Kelly. Can you tell people how to find you, how to get connected, be retreaty with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as far as I know, I'm the only Callie Swanland in the world. Um, So if you look up at Callie Swanland on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, that will be me. Uh, CallieSwanland.com is my website with info on there about free consults. And I have a weekly movement called Wholehearted Wisdom. I'd love for you to sign up for that because your inbox gives you just a little reflection and way to, um, to be present in the world, to show up in a different way than the world demands of us. Um, gives you a little bit of a pause And um, then you can also find out about my upcoming retreats, which uh, are really cool, really, really cool options if you are able to travel at all, or I come around to different regions. So I might come, I might come near you. So please be in touch and reach out and tell me um, that uh, we share Tamara in, in common. And I would love to make that connection with you. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Callie, for your time. I really appreciate you. We didn't get into Brene Brown, but I also am a Brene Brown evangelist. So I uh, highly recommend Atlas of the Heart, mostly the cartoon at the back of Atlas of the Heart on how to be a good manager. That's the best part of Atlas of the Heart for me. (laughs) I keep a copy nearby at all times. Yeah. (laughs) In case you need to know what feelings you're having right now. It's true. I call it a textbook. If people are like trying to read it from cover to cover, they are overwhelmed. It's something, it's a beautiful, um, beautiful resource to have nearby. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Callie, for your time. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at PursuingCall.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L dot Com. You can also visit pursuing.call.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve.